Running to the window, he opened it and put out his head. No fog, no mist, clear, heavenly sky, sweet, fresh air, merry bells, oh glorious, glorious. What's today? cried Scrooge, calling downward to a boy in Sunday clothes who perhaps had loitered into look about him. Eh? What's today, my fine fellow? Today? Why, it's Christmas Day! Oh, it's Christmas Day! I haven't missed it! The spirits have done it all in one night! They can do anything they like! Of course they can! Of course they can! Do you know the poulterers in the next street but one at the corner? I should hope I did! Oh, a remarkable boy! Do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there? The big one! The one as big as me? What a delightful boy! Yes, my boy! It's hanging there now! Is it? Go and buy it! Go and buy it and tell them to bring it here, that I may give them the direction where to take it. Come back with the man and I'll give you a shilling. Come back with him in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. The boy was off like a shot. Oh, I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's. He shan't know who sends it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. Then, much to the continued surprise of Scrooge, another ghost arrived. She wore clothes of an as-yet-unreached time, Lululemon. Scrooge, you gotta not do this. Scrooge was stunned. Oh, whatever do you mean? The ghost shook her head somberly. It's Tiny Tim. If you reverse his fortune, he will eventually beget a man. A man named Hitler. You're listening to New York Pacific. Brought to you by your own free will. Tonight's episode, Hypothetic Call Me Maybe... Or, what? A wonderful world? A trip down the paths that diverge in the woulda, coulda, shouldas. An examination of parallel dementia. Scrooge was stunned at what the ghost had told him. Should he become like a second father to Tiny Tim? Then Tim himself, on something called a stag weekend, would impregnate an Austrian woman who would then give birth to the eventual mother of someone named Adolf Hitler, a mass murderer? If Scrooge forsook his miserly ways, then Europe would be torn asunder, millions killed, Scrooge's own London bombed from the air. Scrooge somberly considered the ghost's warning. Oh, what a bummer. Choosing between letting a small, invalid boy starve, or causing many more people to die. I can't believe the other ghost of Christmas future wouldn't have mentioned that. The ghost took a long pull from an e-cigarette. The hood guy? He, he's a pretty unrepentant racist. Probably likes Hitler. Scrooge was a miser, but he was no anti-Semitic proto-Nazi. Well, I guess Tiny Tim will just have to... Then, in an unprecedented double haunting, yet another ghost of Christmas future showed up. He was covered in snow and bleeding from the ear. Oh, Scrooge! Cried the thin, eccentric, temperamental ghost. You, you gotta get to the Cratchits. I don't have time to explain it to you, but if you don't become as good as your word, I will never be born. And then my wife? Oh, she becomes a librarian! The ghost paused as confused looks crossed the faces of Scrooge and the ghost of an even more distant Christmas future. And Zuzu? T- 
Tommy? Jenny? The ghost was making his point in a very convoluted way. But do you know about the war? Scrooge asked. Well, of course I know about the war. I used to say, don't you know there's a war on when I was my town's air warden? As if things couldn't get more crowded, another trench coat wearing ghost from Christmas futures slightly before the thin, shouty ghost arrived. Rather than addressing Scrooge, he addressed his fellow ghost. You've got to go back to your time or you'll regret it, the new hat-wearing ghost said. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but someday soon and for the rest of your life. I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Scrooge cleared his throat. <clears throat> Where did we all come down on whether or not Tiny Tim should die? How's that coming along? Hitler. Mary! Beans. A fourth Christmas ghost from even further in the future without shoes entered. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. That's a good one. What if Ebenezer Scrooge becoming good had negative repercussions? <coughs> I had never thought about it like that. I know, right? The first ghost of Christmas Future only went so far. Uh, that would definitely change things up. <coughs> Alright, I got one about another famous work of literature. Well, shall we go? Pull on your trousers. What? Pull on your trousers. You want me to pull off my trousers? Okay, ready curtain? Ready blackout? Blackout ready. On the line, yes, let's go. Pull on your trousers. Hmm, true. Well, shall we go? Yes, let's go. Blackout down. Thank you, blackout. Karen? Yes, Mary, this is Karen. Uh, Sam's coming back there. Just warning you, he looks pissed. I figured he would be. Thanks for the heads up. Sam's coming back here. And the word is he's pissed. Karen! Sam! Beg your pardon, Mr. Beckett. I've, I've got some people waiting for me. Oh, by all means. It's incredibly rude to leave someone waiting, isn't it? Don't you think so, Karen? Yes, I do, Sam. But you know what else is rude? Taking out your Irish anger on someone who doesn't deserve it. Doesn't it? You're the stage manager, aren't you, Karen? Seems like at least some of this is your fault. Under normal circumstances, I would say yes. Oh, well, let me go ahead and disabuse you of something, my friend. These aren't normal circumstances. I would say you're right about that. I mean, here we are, right after the opening of my play. Pretty noteworthy circumstances, yeah? Yes, your play just opened. Aye, oh, unusual play, wasn't it? You'll get no disagreement from me there. I mean, really. It's, it's confounding, really. I mean, the lights came up. Up the lights went, and then the lights went down, down the lights went, but other than that, something was a bit off. I mean, wouldn't you agree? You cast him, Sam. I objected. I made my objections known, and you said not to worry about it. All right, Karen, I know all that is right, and you're the best damn stage manager in France, but right now, I'm upset, and I'd like to rant a bit longer. So long as you recall just who is at fault. Oh, we know who's at fault. The whole end of the play was ruined. I mean, where was the big party scene? The raunchy burlesque number? I walked through backstage and the go-go Godot dancers were beside themselves. I mean, where was the big payoff? That damn monster. Sammy, baby. Oh, here he is, me manager, to tell me I'm ruined. I'm a ruined man, Karen. Karen, don't listen to him. What 
a sourpuss. Sam, you're not Rune Baby. Oh, what do you mean? A titular character didn't even show up? <laughs> titular character, baby, you delivered on the title. Thank God you didn't end up sticking with Senor Godot's mariachi review. Then you would be in trouble. But no, Sam, you did it. Uh, I mortgaged my future, what did I do? The funny thing is, I don't know. Frankly, if I wasn't your manager, I would have been gone by the second mass exodus. I'd have left by intermission, but these critics, they were smitten. Smitten? Smitten? Like kittens in Louis Vuitton mittens. It's pronounced Vuitton. Are we all French? Sam, you hit something. The Godot no-show isn't just so-so, it's killer. A killer? I saw Sart leaving and he looked worse than usual. I mean it. He must know there's a new sheriff in town. The town being philosophical, absurdist, nouveau theater. Oh, but his plays are such hacky schoolboy term papers. Mine was supposed to be fun. That's why there's the big raunchy sex scene at the end. Sam, listen to me. The scene wasn't in the play, and the play's a hit. That scene isn't in the play. It's it, it's a hit. A hit. People are going to be talking about this for decades. Mariachi reviews are all well and good, but existential dread? This thing has legs. You know what Sartre's little schoolboy term papers pulled in last year? Being in nothingness, my ass. It's enough to make you nauseous. See? What were you so worried about? Huh. Well, all the same, what happened to our Godot? Yeah. Andre! Thank God you're alright. Where the hell have you been? I got stuck in a wine cellar. Oh, Andre, you giant. You giant goof. Andre, it's, it's okay. I know it is. I got to the theater just as everyone started to stream out. I told them that everyone who gives Godot a bad review won't have to wait. He'll get what's coming to him without delay. They looked very frightened. They certainly did. Is that why Sartre looks so terrible? Who could tell? <laughs> and blackout. Whoa. What if we were originally meant to see Godot? You're blowing my mind. I know, right? So much can change from a first draft to what you finally see. Can you imagine how different the world would be with even minor tweaks to major cultural touchstones? Like how Han Solo was originally supposed to be a green alien like Greedo? Or how the shark and Jaws was supposed to be seen way more. Or like how Eric Stoltz was supposed to be Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Hey, what if... Big Boudicca's! Martina, you're late! I need to show you this invention. It's going to change everything. Sorry, Prof. I had to put in overtime in the movie studio, which made my practice for my 80s cover band start and end later than planned. What's that that fell out of your pocket, Martina? A Betamax copy of Back to the Future? That's right, Prof. It's my favorite movie in the whole world. I carry it around with me everywhere. As a good luck charm. I don't see the appeal, but then I've never seen the movies. I just don't have the... Time. You're missing out, Prof. Back to the Future teaches us that everything is possible with love, and more importantly, science. The latter point is precisely why I wanted to show you, and only you, my latest invention. You, more than anyone else, can appreciate what I've built. This car... Is that a Tesla car? But it's not an ordinary electric car. After years of research, I have finally developed an influx capacitor... That, that can, can travel, travel back, back in time? time? Big Boudicca's! That's right, Martina! But how did you know? Are you kidding me? 
This is my dream come true. I've always hoped that, like Marty McFly, if I hung out with an older scientist, they would inevitably develop a time travel device. How is it powered? <gasps> Let me guess, plutonium from Libyan rubble? Please, Martina, that's ridiculous. This is real life, not a movie. My machine is powered by enriched uranium from Iranian militants. Did you promise to build a bomb for them? How did you know? That was the easiest way to get my hands on the materials I needed. Naturally, I have no intention of actually building a device intended to be used as a weapon. Prof Duck! A duck? In October? They have long since begun their migration, so... Would you not save yourself? Get down the Tesla! And drive 88 miles per hour? 88 miles? No! That's ridiculous! Where did you get that idea? In order for time travel to work from a scientific point of view, you have to drive 89 miles per hour! Hurry! They're coming back around! Where am I? This place looks so familiar and yet so different. I should grab a bite to eat. I wonder what they have at this diner. What can I get for you, miss? Um, I'll have a Mountain Dew, Code Red. Code Red? Is that some kind of Mountain Dew emergency? What? No, no, just, just, just give me a soda. Pepsi free it is. A free Pepsi, nice. Oh, lucky Back to the Future Betamax, as always. I look to you for help. What would Marty McFly do? Yo, Zemeckis! That man looks like a young John Hughes. Oh, hey, fellas. And that looks like... Robert Zemeckis? Zemeckis? I thought I told you to write my next screenplay. What are you doing in this diner? Well, John Hughes, the deadline isn't until Monday, so I thought I could... Hello, Zemeckis! Anybody home? I need time to rewrite the whole thing. If I turn in your screenplay in your handwriting, I'll get kicked out of the Writers Guild. You don't want that, do you, Zemeckis? Well, John, uh... Do you, Zemeckis? No, no, John Hughes. No, I don't. I'll write it up tonight, and I'll get it to you first thing in the morning. Not too early. I like to sleep in on Sundays. What are you looking at, butthead? Mm, nothing. Hey, Zemeckis, you got something on your shirt. Oh, do I? Let me check. <laughs> You're too gullible, Zemeckis. See you later. Hey, kid. Why don't you stand up to that guy? Because he has more Hollywood blockbusters than I do. I know that Hope can seem audacious, but you could not let it go. Hey! Hey, that's Barack Obama! He's the president! President? Him? He's just a bus boy. I'm on my summer break from Columbia University, and I came here to see what Hollywood is like. I've just been picking up some shifts as a busboy to make some money. I like the sound of that. President Barack Obama. I'll give everyone health care. And legalize gay marriage. Why don't you marry the ketchups first, Barry? Are you Robert Zemeckis? Who wants to know? I, I just wanted to tell you that I love Back to the Future. And your casting choice for Marty McFly is perfect. Uh, you really think so? I, I mean, I, I had my doubts. But if you like Eric Stoltz that much, I guess I'll keep him in. I'm gonna go let him know. Wait, 
wait, wait, what? Oh my god! I traveled back in time with the professor's device. I must be in 1984. When Eric Stoltz, a hardworking, if not especially memorable actor, was originally cast as Marty McFly. Let me check my Betamax. Michael J. Fox is disappearing! I need to find young Prof. Professor! Professor, open up! I know you're home! Come inside and don't tell me anything about yourself. I've invented this mind-reading device that will tell me everything about you. Professor, you have to listen to me. Uh, uh, uh. Let me plug you in here. Let's see. You've traveled a great distance. You like the movie Mask. And you don't want to forget about something. No, Prof. I'm from the future. In the year 2014, I traveled back to 1984 in a device that you invented. But now I'm stuck, and I need your help getting back. Do you know what this means? My mind-reading device is useless. Back to the drawing board. Prof, please, I'm serious. I need your help. I'm really from the future, but I, I think I've accidentally damaged the timeline. You want me to believe that you're from the future? Prove it. What album outsells Michael Jackson's Thriller? Nothing does. It holds that record forever. A likely story! <laughs> nice try, future girl! But I have work to do! Look, here's a diagram that you made about an influx capacitor that can travel through time. <gasps> Big Boudicca's! An influx capacitor? This, this is perfect! I've been working on this for years! You really are from the future! With these blueprints, I could build you a prototype to send you back to your time. But but wait, I, I think I've meddled with the timeline. Big Boudicca's, we must fix this post-haste. What have you done? Killed a future leader? Left behind an important sports almanac? Prevented your own parents from getting married? No, no, nothing like that. I, I, I changed the course of my favorite movie, Back to the Future. I convinced Robert Zemeckis to cast Eric Stoltz instead of Michael J. Fox. What's wrong with Eric Stoltz? He's a fine dramatic actor. But he's not right for the role. The character of Marty McFly needs to be lighthearted and charismatic. Prof, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to go back to the future where Michael J. Fox isn't in this movie. Really? You want to change a movie? If we kept you here in 1984, there's a better chance that you would disrupt more important parts of the timeline. Not just any movie, Prof. It's Back to the Future. It taught me all about the power of love, and more importantly, science. Well, I suppose that any change in the timeline could have an unpredictable butterfly effect on the future. Alright, how do we fix this? I need to help Robert Zemeckis work up the courage to ask Michael J. Fox to be in this movie. Company's so timid! And who knows what schemes John Hughes is up to? I read about an upcoming 50s-themed Writers Guild gala this weekend. All of the biggest names in Hollywood will be there. Martina, this will be your one and only chance to set things straight. I know just what to do. I need to corner Michael J. Fox in a car and encourage Robert Zemeckis to rescue him from me. But how do I get him into a car to start with? Tell him you have cocaine! It's all the rage these days! That's why you're the prof! Hey, thanks for taking me to the Writers Guild Gala, Victoria's Secret. Michael J. Fox, I keep telling you to call me Martina. Well, um, do you have that cocaine? About that, 
I wanted to tell you, you really need to take care of your health, Michael. You sound like my mom. I'm not scared of anything. See my hand? Stiff as a board. Not shaken at all. Please. John Hughes? Well, well, well. If it isn't that broad from the diner with my actor, Michael J. Fox. Take her away, boys. I want a little private audition with the talent here. Get your hands off me, John Hughes. I'm not your actor. Sure you are. You just don't know it yet. I'm working on this movie about high schoolers from different walks of life, and I'm looking for someone who looks just like you to be a jock type. Let me go. Get your damn hands off. Oh, wait. John Hughes, you here? Help me, Robert. I think you got the wrong car, Zemeckis. So make like a tree and go fuck yourself. No, John Hughes, let go of Michael J. Fox. You asked for it, and now you're gonna get it. Stop it, John Hughes, you break his arm. You shut up. No one talks to Michael J. Fox like that. Robert, you knocked John Hughes out with one punch. Michael J. Fox, would you go to the writer's gala with me? I would love to. It's Robert Zemeckis and Michael J. Fox! Together! They must have escaped from John Hughes. But they're not talking to each other. Ugh. Oh, we need some music. What's this band? Marvin Lewis and the Periodicals? How come they're not playing? Our guitar player busted up his hand helping you get away from those guys. No synth, no music. I play the guitar and it is covered by me in the band. Why didn't you say so? Boys, get ready. Attention, ladies and gentlemen of the 1984 Writers Guild Gala. I know we took some time on our break, but now we're going to take you all back in time. Did you hear that, Robert? Everyone is so nostalgic for the 50s. You know, I'm uh, working on a movie about someone who travels back to that time. Aren't you going to ask me to be in your movie? Well, I, uh... <laughs> Mind if I cut in Zemeckis? Rob Reiner? No! My Betamax and Back to the Future! Michael J. Fox is almost completely transformed into Eric Stoltz! Robert Zemeckis, you have to stand up to Rob Reiner and cast Michael before it's too late! Michael, baby, let's be more than friends. I'll tell you about my next movie. Let's just say it's gonna be a sure thing at the box office. But out, Reiner. Hey, whoa! Michael J. Fox, will you... Be in my movie. Yes! Yes, I will! Yes! My Betamax has returned to normal! Hey, Marvin. Why don't you let me take over for the next one? Periodicals, follow my lead. That's all! I gotta call my cousin! Huey, it's your cousin! Marvin Lewis? You know that sound you've been looking for? Bland? Well, listen to this! Alright, I'm back in present day. The Betamax cover still has Michael J. Fox, and I still have my job as a studio intern. Whew, I hope nothing else has changed too much. Hello? Sorry I'm late. Wait... Wait! 
Bradford Zemeckis, is that you? Martina, come in. Oh, what's with that look on your face? I haven't seen you like this in all the years you've worked for me. I... I... worked for you? Of course you do. Now, you know, you've always reminded me of an old friend of mine. Wow, the present is much better than it used to be. Where's John Hughes, huh? Probably outside, uh, waxing your car? He... He's been dead for five years. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's the same. You look a little tired, Martina. You say, why don't you go pick up a couple Mountain Dew Code Reds? I could use a caffeine boost. Sure thing, Mr. Zemeckis. Please, <laughs> call me Robert. I always imagined what my life would be like if I worked for my icon. <laughs> Professor! You're alive! Yes, I'm alive, Martina. I read the note you left for me in the 80s. And I finally got around to watching the Back to the Future movies. Really? You finally watched them? Yes, and you were right. At least about the first one. It's perfect, but we gotta go back. Why, Prof? Does the movie turn into an asshole or something? Not the movie. It's the sequels, Martina. Something's wrong with the sequels. They're just okay. You know what? I can live with that. The first time I went back in time, I learned the hard way that a single butterfly effect can cause a ripple of what-if scenarios that you never intend. And I almost ruined the first Back to the Future movie. You know, I've been meaning to ask you something. You spent all that time and energy saving Back to the Future, but you didn't warn anyone about 9-11? Yeah, it would have been a totally different movie. Think of how much popular culture was shaped by it. I mean, we could be, like, entirely different people. Alright, speaking of works that have shaped culture, I've got the mother of all what-ifs. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Ah, you will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open." And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. To which the woman said, Yeah, but even so, it seems like a small price to pay for all the nice stuff we have in the garden. So the serpent went to the man and said, Pretty much the same thing, except when Adam said no, the serpent said, What? Are you chicken? I double dog dare you. Chicken? Nobody calls me chicken. So Adam ate of the fruit, and God was ever pissed. She banished them from the garden, and she cursed the serpent and the woman, and especially Adam. And men had to bear children with a lot of pain, and I mean a lot. Can you imagine? Oh, and throughout history, men were subjugated to the whims of women, which coalesced into the matriarchy and the female gaze. Look at that bum on him! Woo! Woo! What 
flex for me, baby. You're so much handsomer when you flex. Are you an accountant? Cause I could have sworn you was checking out my figures. Why, I never. And that's not all. The romance languages grew using feminine as a de facto. Jane the Ripper struck fear into the hearts of London with her killing spree of male prostitutes. Even once male suffrage had won them votes, male authors toiled in obscurity in a genre known as dicklet. A man isn't capable of a great work of literature like Moby Volvo. And men aren't funny, either. Male superheroes were often two-dimensional characters, but for their magnificent bulges. Thanks for saving me, Wonder Woman. Now I can return to my job as a secretary to the Justice League. Men were kept from the corridors of power, which remained an old girls' club well into the 21st century. Despite the strides made by the Meninism movement, having now reached the fourth wave of Meninism. I mean, a male president? What if this girly man gets a boner and accidentally sets off the nuclear missiles? And don't get me started on this Planned Parenthood nonsense. Taxpayers shouldn't foot the bill for some gigolos condoms. By the internet era, the basic demands for equality made by the Meninist movement were declared radical and anti-women by WRAs, women's rights activists. While many mocked them as a bunch of unhygienic addict-dwelling spinsters, their movement continued to harass and threaten prominent Meninists, declaring that it was really about ethics and cross-stitch journalism, and not about men making inroads into a previously exclusionary female space, which led to heated internet debates. Dicks or GTFO? The bright spots, and one had to search for them, were songs like Woman, I Feel Like a Man by Sherman Crow, and the Riot Boy Punk movement of the 80s and 90s. But overall, it was a woman's world and boys were just struggling to make it. Their wages remained well behind those of their female counterparts. Mysteriously, their life expectancies remained higher than those of women, and as told in the Book of Revelations, it was the Daughter of God who returned to defeat Deuce Bigelow. Babylonian gigolo. Yeah, that's a big one. I don't know how to top that. Wait. I got it. What if we never invented the wheel? Oh, that's good. Or what if we never mastered fire? Oh, man. No, no, I got it. I got it. What if the dominant species on Earth wasn't dolphins? What if it was like a bunch of weird apes or something? Oh, that would be so different. They couldn't be worse at destroying the environment than we are. (laughs) (laughs) Hypothetic Call Me Maybe or What a Wonderful World stars Jessica Coyle, Julie Krylin, Mark Exquin, Nigel Harsh, Matt Kerstetter, Ben Richman, Kevin Tully, and Bethany Weiss. It was written by Mark Exquin and Ben Richmond and produced by Nigel Harsh and is a production of New York Pacific. We'll see you next time. You won't see us. <laughs>